Every day, people like you are making the decision to start their own business. During this process, there are any number of questions that may come up. On Entrepreneur's Think Tank, we dive deep into the minds of those who have done it before. Learn from their journey as you work to build your empire. Here's your host, Nicole Henderson. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Entrepreneur's Think Tank. I'm your host, Nicole Henderson. As business owners, it's always beneficial to consult with a good attorney for a number of reasons. As we think about scaling our businesses, an important component of that is how our businesses may actually be set up. Prior to this conversation, I decided to look up the top five reasons that an entrepreneur should be in contact with an attorney. The multiple lists that I found centered on the following ideas. The first is choosing a business structure. Next, bylaws and operating agreements that need to be um, developed. Contract negotiations, the ability to expedite any patent and trademark filings, and lawsuit prevention advice rounded out number five. So these are all important reasons that we may not think about as we are working to uh, build our businesses and working on those parts of our businesses that we are truly passionate about. So listen in on this conversation that I have with attorney Asha Wilkerson. We not only discuss her evolution as an entrepreneur, but we also talk about how one goes from being a business owner to becoming financially successful. And how does that play into the legacy building aspect of our businesses? I hope that you enjoy this conversation and that it gives you some ideas around the legal components of your business. We will definitely have Asha back on soon as we want to dive deeper into this idea of leaving a legacy and what it takes to really make it happen. Enjoy the conversation. Well, Asha, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad you could um, take a few minutes out um, of your day to join us. So I'm excited to um, let our audience know about uh, your journey. So let's just start with with the basics. Tell us about yourself and tell us about your business. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name is Asha Wilkerson and I am a business attorney, entrepreneur, and teacher. I say that I'm a, an, um, what do I say? I'm an attorney by training, but an educator at heart. So that's really at the forefront of all that I do. I had a career litigating um, insurance defense cases in the beginning, then plaintiff side employment law. And I started working with business owners thinking that, well, maybe if I work with the owners, then I can eliminate or help reduce some of these employment discrimination cases. So I started working with business owners and then added business law to that. And right now I currently am a business coach for Black and Latinx entrepreneurs who are looking to build businesses that are capable of leaving financial legacies. You said a mouthful. <laughs> and what caught my attention was the legacy piece, um, because I'm right there with you as I think about um, where my business is now and mm -hmm. where I want it to be mm -hmm. and what I don't understand with <laughs> right. how to get to leaving that legacy component. So um my next question was going to be how you came up with the idea, mm -hmm. but I know, I mean, that, that there is 
a significant need for legacy, especially as we uh, talk about and lean on the black and brown community. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, you're not alone in being in that space of this is where I want to go, but I don't know how to get there. And and that's really what sparked the the need or the desire for me to stand in that gap. I had a client, I'd formed a business for him and he was like, great, Asha, thanks for forming my LLC. But now how do I keep my money like all the rich folks do? And I didn't know how to answer his question. I was like, you know what? That's a really good question. I have no idea. I knew how to form the businesses. I knew how to write the contracts, but I didn't know how do you get from being an owner to actually being financially stable and successful. And part of that is because we don't have a whole lot of examples in our communities of what that looks like, or the examples are of athletes and musicians and really famous people that that seems like so far away from where we are that it that we don't see the path with how to get there. But most of it, one, is being able to imagine what you want your life to look like and what you want your finances to look like. And then two, surrounding yourself with the right people and resources to take the steps necessary to get there. First one is imagination and two is finding the right resources. So help me with this pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just using myself as an example, I see the vision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where you want to go, but, and I have the LLC, mm-hmm. but what's the next step? Like, yeah. is it a trust attorney? Like, I don't know what type, what specific type of attorney you are, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know what step two is. Right. So I practice business law and employment law, a little bit of employment law. So um, you're great. You already have your LLC. And I would say the next thing to do is to really think about what you need financially from the future. And then to either meet with a CPA, you should always meet with a CPA anyway for your business because they're the ones who are going to help you file the taxes and they're going to teach you what tax deductions you can get and really how to use your business to get the maximum benefit Um from the tax code. And then also maybe a financial planner, because if you have other streams of income that you have coming in, whether it's with a partner or you have another source of income yourself, you want to know what that global picture is and working backwards, what is the amount of money you're going to need to retire? You know, when you want to retire, like for me, I'm 38 now. I said, I probably at 36, I was like, I want to retire by 35. I was going backwards. Right. I didn't think about that early enough in my career, but now I'm like by 45, I want to be, I want to be doing what I want to do. I don't want to have to work for money. And I met with a financial planner and I told him that, and I was like, let me know what I got to do to be out of here in like eight years. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, don't, don't do that. Don't look at me like my dreams are crazy. What I want you to do is tell me what I need. And then I'm going to figure out how to get there. So that's really the first step is what is it that you need? And then asking the questions, okay, how do I get there? But I also realized that a lot of folks talk about, we talk about legacy leaving and inheritance. That means that you get some money when someone has already transitioned. But I remember in, I was 22 or 23, was just about to graduate college. A friend of mine who was a year older was in Sears searching for a washer and dryer with her mother because she was getting married the following summer. And her parents and her husband's parents were giving them the down payment for the house. And that had never 
occurred, like it didn't, it wasn't even in my realm, right? I'm this young college student and um, thinking I'm doing all right because I'm in college. And now here they are taking the next step because the parents were financially stable enough to give a down payment that they could get into a house. And then all they have to do is assume the mortgage, right? What about being able to leave legacies like that? making it easier for our children to get ahead instead of having to do everything on their own and or instead of having to struggle or work through some of the kinks that we had to work through as we grew up. One way, another way to use your LLC as well is to pay your kids that once they're working age and they're under the age of 18. Um, the tax code says that they're not taxed. If a parent of them owns an LLC or a sole proprietorship, you put them on payroll and they are not paying taxes and your business is not paying taxes either. Now, the next step with that is that either your child can use that money however they want to, or they can have... Um, I forget the exact name, but it's like a minor's brokerage account where the parent acts as the guardian and the agent for the child, but they can be investing that money that they're getting through your business into this brokerage account. And if you know anything about investing, time is your best friend. So imagine being able to put money into your kid's account by the time they're like 14, I was going to say 12, but I don't know what the legal age to work is. The time they're 14, now by the time they're, you know, 25 or 30, they probably have enough money for that down payment for that house or to pay for college or to, you know, do whatever it is that they need to do. And you, your business also got the benefit because it's not taxable. So looking at these strategies that, as my former client said, the rich folks use to keep their money, there are a number of them out there, but we just don't know what they are. So it's important to surround yourself with the right people who can help lead you down that path. So you've given me a lot of homework. Um, <laughs> I am a professor. <laughs> um, to do, but I do want to um, take just a step back and talk about the formation of your business. Like mm -hmm. somebody is sitting as an attorney or, and has a passion for this, um, this uh, arm of uh, law that you are in. Mm -hmm. How did you start? You know, how, what made you, um, stick to this lane. Yeah. Well, I, I like that you said, how did I start and what made me stick to this lane? Because oftentimes we are under the assumption that we're not able to pivot, right? That we're, that we pick something, we study something and that's the path that we're going down. And if we choose to do anything other than that, then we're wasting money and wasting time. But everybody listening to this, how you have the ability to make a pivot and to do whatever is in alignment with you and your work at that moment in time. So for me, my personal journey was I wanted to work abroad. I wanted to do international human rights law when I graduated law school and didn't get hired abroad. The UN didn't hire me. So then I went to this town called Walnut Creek and um, did medical malpractice defense for a number of years. And it wasn't, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I Not the litigation part so much, but I really enjoyed learning about the medicine and talking to doctors. Um, but the biggest thing was, is that I made sure that I honed my skills because even though it was medical malpractice defense, and that's a very niche area. Litigation, being in court is being in court. Learning how to work up a case is learning how to work up a case. So I made sure that I got as much exposure and experience as possible in that realm. And then when I moved away from that job, I applied those same skills. Now, there is sometimes a fear of jumping into something that is unknown 
And what helps you make that leap is to surround yourself with mentors and guides who can help teach you that new area. So once you graduate law school, you think you know what you're doing, but you actually have no idea. And then with our rules of professional responsibility, we don't get a pass for being a beginner. You have to, if you take on a case, you have to be expert enough to be able to handle that case. Now that's scary if you don't have any guidance because you don't know what you don't know. So surround yourself with people you can ask or get some tutelage from a law firm or some seasoned attorneys to help you figure out what it is that you need to do and how you need to do it. That's a good point because in in my field of marketing and communication, I think I did have a little grace with mm-hmm. um, being entry level um, for a little bit of time. Um, mm-hmm. I started out in the ad agency, so you get thrown into the deep end quick. Right. But um, that's true. If you take on a case and you're representing somebody, I don't want you to be entry level if right. um, if you're uh, representing me. So I get I get that. So do you feel like a forever student? Definitely. Oh, definitely. That's probably, there's probably some ADD in there <laughs> as well that I love to do a number of different things. I mean, I really enjoy the process of learning. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't get frustrated because it is hard once you get to a certain level of competence in a number of areas. It's hard to go back and be a beginner, but I don't ever want to stop learning. I want to continue to challenge my brain to pick up something new. And I think the real beauty of it is fighting through that discomfort, you know, and, and, and getting to a place where you can look back and go, man, when I started this, I was really not great, <laughs> but look at how I persevered and stuck with it. And, you know, and look at where I am now. That's the beautiful part of the journey. But you have to be a lifelong learner. You have to, because you just, you get stuck. This world is changing so fast. Why not continue to grow and learn and continue to have control over your life and make it be exactly what you need it to be? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think um, fundamentally as entrepreneurs or business owners, or even if in the corporate field, um, I think that being a lifelong learner, a student, being willing to soak up, Mm-hmm. Um, is just critical to um, being able to change at the pace that um, at the pace that things are changing, especially today. Mm-hmm. Um, can you answer for me when you were building your business, um, what were some of the challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Yeah, uh, the biggest challenge I think is is not seeing how you fit into the big picture. So when I started out, I mean, there are attorneys come a dime a dozen, right? There's way too many of us out here. I'll say that, no problem. But there weren't, there aren't a whole lot of black attorneys. There aren't a whole lot of black women attorneys. And then there aren't a whole lot of attorneys who have decided that practicing law in the traditional sense is no longer for them. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing now in terms of business coaching with an with a legal perspective. I don't know other attorneys that are doing that. And so even though I have 10 plus years of experience as an attorney, I am still putting myself out into the world as an entrepreneur in a different kind of a space. And sometimes feeling around to see how you fit into that space or what it can look like for you can be uncomfortable. So you have to have some vision and you have to have some commitment to that vision. But then you also have to be willing to be flexible about how that vision comes to pass. 
So, you know, I was thinking that I wanted to be uh, a high school teacher at some point. Um, this was before I went to law school. I was deciding between being an English teacher and going to law school. And I let go of the teaching portion of it and went to law school. But now I am back teaching as a professor at a community college, which is way better than what I could have imagined. And if I would have been holding on so tightly to that teaching dream in that one realm of being a high school English teacher, because that was all I knew, then my life would look very different. But by having the vision and letting go of the method to get there, then I still arrived back at teaching in a way that um, is fulfilling and, and is joyful for me. So putting yourself out there, holding the vision, creating a space for yourself, but being flexible about how you get there, that's one. Um, Two is that there are so many aspects to running a business, right? You have you have the skill that you bring to the table, the content that you do, but then being a business owner is different from being skillful at the business. So you have to learn how to balance the books. And if you're not going to balance the books, you need to learn how to find help to balance the books, right? You need to understand what your profit and loss statement looks like. You need to understand how much effort and energy you are putting into getting your product or your service out there and what's the return. Because as much as, you know, in the beginning, we kind of flail around a little bit. We try everything to see what stuck sticks. That's a part of the learning process. But when we are really honing it in, we need to actually be really clear about what is working, what is not working, what is working well, and keep doing those things that are working well so we can find that success. Yeah, it's something about teaching that keeps you fresh. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> <You> the know, students. <laughs> the students will forever keep you fresh um, and keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little about your uh, tips and tricks to balance all of this. Yeah, you know, I heard somewhere that there's no real thing as balance, no such thing as balance, and and that's probably true. I am a Libra, so you know, I'm always I fighting. Am too. I am yes. too. Okay, yes. tales of justice, and always uh, fighting to balance. I think what I have learned in the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic, is that, you know, you're often going to get out of balance it, and it's OK. But it's the trick is to recognize when something is out of balance and then figure out how to bring it back in balance. But life happens. So you're going to have periods of time where work is much busier. And so you don't have as much time for social or for family or where your family needs more time and energy. And so you have to cut back a little bit. Um, on the business side of things. So I think in the grand scheme of things, you want it to balance out, but it doesn't necessarily mean that on a day-to-day -day basis, you're going to have equal time and equal energy for everything. But what you do want to make sure that you do, and I got this from a friend of mine who's a licensed clinical social worker, James Harrison, shout out to James. When I was asking him about self-care last year, he's like, you know, there are many definitions of self-care, but really what it comes down to is that you need as, for as much energy as you're putting out, you need as much energy to come back to you to replenish. So if you're working really hard and like, you know, for example, women, they'll say like, go get your nails done. That's self-care. He's like, that's great. If getting your nails done replenishes the energy that you expended. Right. But if it's but if it's just self-care sort of in lip service, you're doing the things, but it's not actually bringing you the energy back. That's great. You can do that. But that's not actually the self-care 
that is really going to help you stay in balance or get back to balance when you really need it. So for me, what does that look like? That looks like some time alone. It looks like reading. It looks like not watching TV because I realize I can get lost in, in any series you can name on Netflix. But when I was done watching them, I wasn't more rested. So I had to tell myself, turn off the TV. Get, I don't even own a TV anymore. And spend some time reading, spend some time journaling, spend some time walking outside. Those things give me more energy and they do take time. So it's not a quick fix. It's not like, you know, you can't microwave <laughs> replenishment, right? Um, but those are the things and the practices that I do to help keep me in balance. So for as much as I give, I have to make sure that I give back to myself as well. Yeah, when you said that, my mind went to an island vacation. Oh, yeah, I love those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, that's what I need. So yeah. um, entrepreneurship can be uh, challenging. It can be fulfilling. What keeps you motivated to keep going? I think it's just that that tie. For me, it's really the financial freedom that I am seeking, right? I'm on my way and... Um, and also just knowing the history of, of Black folks in the United States, right? We have been so disenfranchised and and just cut out of being able to have the freedom, really freedom of movement, freedom of money, freedom of time, all of these things that those are the things that I want for myself and I want for my children and my children's children and my children's children's children, right? I want us to be free people. And one way to do that is that I have acquired a skill that I know how to share with other people. And in this moment, that is my my motivation, my mission, my calling to be able to share that with other folks. Now in five years, maybe it'll be a different mission, a different calling. But I think when you are when you're clear about your purpose and you know where you want to go, it is much easier to stick to the course, whatever that course looks like for you to make that come to fruition. So if anyone listening is having trouble, you know, sticking to it, I would ask, like, is this what you really want to do? Is it really what you want to do? Because we see on social media, we see on TV, that entrepreneurship is super glamorous, but it's a roller coaster, y'all. It is, it, you will, you will run the emotional gamut. You won't even, you'll encounter emotions you didn't even know existed because entrepreneurship, your business is an extension of you. So then it comes out when you are challenging yourself, when you're feeling insecure, when you're pushing to do something new that hasn't been done before and you're creating a new pathway in your mind and a new pathway in this world. So in order to find that motivation to keep going, you have to be really connected to your why and your why will get you there. That is an excellent answer. I mean, I I just echo and ditto all of that. <laughs> it is uh, very much the truth. Um, what advice do you wish somebody gave you or you wish you knew when you were starting out on your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I would say ask for help early and often um, and not in a way that is just take, 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 but to surround yourself with people who you can learn from. Uh, and don't be afraid to do that. When What I noticed in law school is that there were a number of people who were being diagnosed with learning disabilities in law school. And it, it surprised me, not to say that they didn't have learning challenges, but it surprised me because they had gotten to law school and you know now needed time and a half on a test, right? But what I noticed is that it wasn't the people of color. It was the white students. And what I have noticed over the years is that there isn't any shame amongst white people asking for help. There isn't this sense of I can do it myself and I have to do it myself. Whereas in black and brown communities, we have been so conditioned to 
to be or to um, think of ourselves as deficient in some way, that our defense mechanism is to say, we're not deficient. I've got this. I'm strong because we're not allowed. We weren't allowed to be weak, right? And that mindset has served us in some sense, but it continues to carry over today in various aspects. So whether I see it in school all the time where someone needs a little bit of tutoring, but they're afraid to say, hey, I need some help. Can you help me? And that help would take them to the next level and would eliminate all the struggle and strife that they're going through trying to figure it out on their own when they just need a little bit of advice. Same thing in entrepreneurship. Oftentimes we don't come from communities that have money to be able to help us get started. And money is useful. Money is oftentimes necessary, but money isn't the only resource. It is the mentorship and the tutelage is so important because when money isn't available, it's that advice and someone else can also tell you how to get some money to do what you need to do. But we have to be, I won't even say humble enough. We have to be confident enough to say, hey, I need a little bit of guidance. I have this idea. I'm not sure how to move forward. This is a challenge that I'm facing. Can you help me? And then we have to trust people to help us. You've got to be confident enough to ask for help. And then you have to trust the people that you're asking to actually give you advice that's going to lead you in the right direction. You're asking a lot of people. <laughs> you know, you know, no risk, no reward though. No risk, no, no reward. But I, you know, and I say that lightheartedly is uh, several of these conversations that I've had, the, um, the mental health conversation, not being able, uh, not having that um, confidence to ask for therapy or seek therapy or to seek coaching and mentorship and business, mm -hmm. um, I think is a bigger issue that, you know, maybe we need to, um, dive into as a community mm -hmm. or culturally just, um, to knock down some of those barriers. Um, Absolutely. I think that that is one of the elements that we'll need to remove to take us to that next level. Right. Um, and I've just seen that in that, this series of um, interviews that I've had of late. Um, so I, I definitely, it's something that I want to lean into um, mm -hmm. as I'm thinking about uh, future conversations and uh, bringing some of you all together. I know I'm having, I'm having one-on-one -on -one conversations now, but bringing some of you all together to have some of those bigger conversations, mm -hmm. um, I think is vital to lifting our community up, um, especially as we talk about entrepreneurship and legacy and the challenges um, that are, are faced in that journey and just mm -hmm. being uh, black and brown in America and what that right. journey is. Mm -hmm. and, loans and financing and the whole banking situation. There's right. so many different avenues that we need to um, explore. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. Um, what does the future hold for your company? What do you see one year, three years, five years from now for your yeah. company? Absolutely. Well, in the future, in the next, you know, short time, let's say within the next five years, I'm going to be the number one resource for Black and Latinx entrepreneurs in the United States for uh, form business formation, contracts, employment law support, but really more, those are the tactical skills, the technical skills that we need, but really more than that, it's going to be that uh, mental support and that encouragement that people need, right? Because when you believe that you can do something, you can do it. Truly, when you believe that you can do something, you will figure out a way to get it done. And I want to be, I want my company to be that number one source, that safe space with excellent coaches and trainers to be able to break down and break through some of the myths that we hear within our communities. Like we know 
that debt is bad, right? We've been conditioned that debt is bad because you lose your house, you lose your car, you lose your job, all this stuff, right? But in the business world, debt is, if you're rich, debt is leverage. That's a tool that you use. If you're poor, debt is bad and you've made some really bad decisions. It's the same tool. It's just a different perspective. So I want to be able to provide resources to break down some of these concepts and teach people how to use the tools to achieve what they want to achieve. Excellent. And in closing, I definitely want to um, offer some space. If there is an offer or something that you would like to share with the community, um, please share that. And we'll also link in the show notes um, what you what you referenced. Absolutely. So if you want to connect with me on social, on social media, my Instagram account or handle, I guess the young folks call it, is Asha Wilkerson ESQ. And if you have formed a business or are about to form a business and would like a checklist, I have a new business checklist. You can go to transcendthemembership.com slash checklist and download the checklist for free. Well, Asha, it has been a pleasure. Um, I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I definitely look forward to having you back on again. Thank you. It has been a pleasure talking to you as well. Can't wait to come back. (laughs) We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Entrepreneur's Think Tank. We know the journey of entrepreneurship is not easy, but when you dive into the think tank, we hope to make your experience a little better than it may have been. Until next week, enjoy the journey.